Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. And Hazel thinks we can put a plastic ceiling halfway up to stop the echo. Really? That's interesting. Well, you know what the echo is like in the ballroom. If you stand in the right place, you can hear the band play twice over. <laughs> oh, come on, Daddy. We don't want to bore her with business on a night off. No, I think it's fascinating. We'll have a chat about it tomorrow morning. Ah. I'm dying to hear the details. Did you have a nice swim? Yes, thanks. You're lucky to have a pool like that in Ambridge. I'm sure the villagers can make good use of it. Oh, it's not open to the public. Oh, of course, Caroline's welcome to let her friends use it any time, especially Shula. She wants to stay brown until her wedding. I can see she must be trying to lose weight as well. Oh, it's such a pity we can't have the reception at Grey Gables. It could have been Hazel's big function. Yes, it's a shame, isn't it? Oh, for goodness sake, Daddy. Caroline's going to think I'm trying to take over. No, of course not. It's nice to be able to share some of the responsibility. Oh, just think, Caroline. Once Hazel settles into her job, you'll be able to take a proper holiday without me having to worry. Yes. That'd be nice for both. Mm. Well, that's the trouble with Caroline. She doesn't know when to stop. <laughs> Hello, Dumpty Dum people. It's Cosmo here once again. On Sunday, the death of Sarah Coward, a very long-term member of the Archers cast, was reported. Sarah provided the voice of Caroline Bone, later Pemberton and most recently Sterling, from 1977 until her death last weekend. Sarah was spotted by the BBC at Guildhall School of Music and Drama and awarded one of the Carlton Hobbs bursaries which provided funds and a six-month contract of employment with BBC Drama Repertory Company as well as the equity card needed in those days. Outside of the Arches, Sarah had a varied career and many plum roles. Lady Macbeth, Amanda in Private Lives, Mrs. Warren in Mrs. Warren's Profession, and Lady Bracknell, plus Sally Bowles in Cabaret. On the West End stage, she was particularly proud of not missing a beat when working with Dorothy Tutin when the IRA exploded a bomb outside the theatre. She also brought an Edinburgh Fringe production to London, Let the Good Stones Roll, in which she played Marianne Faithful and Bianca Jagger. More recently, she also toured a two-woman show with Sonny Ormond. She spent a number of years as a Samaritan in Stratford-on-Avon, sometimes being spotted as Caroline Sterling on the end of the phone, and she also raised money for war trade. In 2009, she had a hand in rescuing a wounded lurcher called Sati, and in 2013, she wrote a small book, Dialogues with My Dog, are some of the funnier episodes she has enjoyed with him. The book is still available. It is not yet clear if Caroline will also be leaving us. 
Sarah herself hoped that Michael Cochrane's wife, and he plays Oliver Sterling, might replace her when she was talking to the Radio Times about the prognosis she had of three months left to live in, in September. She felt the character could continue. So we must wait and see, and see what, if Caroline leaves permanently, I will return with a review of her life. Sadly, Sarah is outlived by her mother, and she also has a brother. Their loss is greater than ours, I'm sure, and may our thoughts go to them at this time. Hello, Dumpty Dum. This is uh, Lucy in New York with a lot of Dumpty Dummers. You've all got to say hello at once. Hello! Very good. And entire clubs just turned around to stare at us now. We don't care. Um, we just wanted to say that we'd heard the news about uh, Sarah Carrad, who plays Caroline Bone. And No, sorry, Caroline Sterling. I've lost track of how many surnames she's had now. And it's very sad, because um, for me, she was always posh but human in a way that Jennifer is just posh and inhuman, I think. Not inhuman, that's a bit harsh. Um, but now I need someone else to say something intelligent about Caroline. Witherspoon's got his mouth full, so he can't talk. So I'm turning to New York Nigel now. <laughs> I, I loved Caroline. I thought she was such a wonderful character and is a wonderful character because I hope, just like the actress who played her, that that part will continue in The Archers because I think she's a, 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 a deeply moving character and she had the happiness that she well deserved after having an affair with blinking Brian Aldridge. Yeah, but to be the, fair, that's most vicar. of the village, really. There isn't <laughs> <any> <laughs> that's I think there's only true. Bert Fry who's escaped. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe his turn will come. <laughs> oh, 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 God. No, no. And, and uh, I think she got the happiness that she deserved with Oliver, and I loved that relationship between the two as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing where the story goes next because yes. it comes with so many happy memories. Yes. And uh, I quite like the fact that she was a bit of a goer as well as being very posh. That's very good. <laughs> Anyone else with a Michelle's pulling faces, so I'm going to move it over to her so that she can't escape. Oh, um, well, I've only listened for the last few years, so she was mostly in Italy for that time. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I had read on Twitter that the actress, Sarah, mm-hmm. had um, talked about, what was the cause she was talking about? Like, the, the, the smile and be happiness, yeah. which was so beautiful. Um and so I think that's what I'll remember most. Yeah, I think it's really nice that she spent those last, you know, those last few weeks doing a campaign that was just to really bring happiness to other people. And I think it's nice that if they, whether they continue the character or not, I like to think of her just living in a fabulous villa in Tuscany, you yeah. know, in the sun, yes. eating grapes and drinking wine. And, and a nice long way cheese. away from Linda Snell. Exactly. <laughs> that's what we all hope. Yes. Everybody be nice like the Sterlings. Be better to working class folk like the Sterlings. Have. <laughs> we have a home for them. Let them live there. Yeah. Although she did set limits with the Grundies, and I hope they continue to pay their rent on time. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's Witherspoon here at the fabulous Norwood Club in New York City, and it's February 13th, 2017, and I'm here with my dumpty dum friends. Lucy. Nigel. Beth, Morgan, Diana, Jenna, Michelle, Brian, and we're going to sing you a dumpty dum. One, two, three. 
This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality docudrama drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the open affair that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the dirty bit on the side that is. Hardly St. Coley, although I am no one's dirty bit on the side. Well, I don't know about that. You're definitely my side chick today, though, aren't you? Well, I am your side kick and side chick. <laughs> and the last part of our raised eyebrows, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from the vaults because I haven't had the where for all to actually sort out who it is. I was actually hoping that it was going to be uh, Lucy and uh, the team up in New York because that's as we record. They're actually in New York having a Dumpty Dum meetup, uh, but it hasn't come through. If it comes through, it'll be Lucy. If not, I'll dig one out. But Hardeep, if someone wants to send us in a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? Well, if you don't want to sing as a Dumpty Dum, lead us a plot prediction or conduct a fair in plain sight with a woman called Madeline, uh, call us on 03 <laughs> or leave us a message on Speak Pipe, which is a pipe you speak into different from a crack pipe. Um, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shedcode for sponsoring us, and to Derek for the owner's back bedroom, which sounds like a euphemism, but I'm sure it isn't. It, no, it's not at all. Not at all. That's where we record from, of course, Derek. I've heard you've got a lovely back bedroom. Uh, I have. Well, m- mine's not as nice as Derek's, though. There is a whole load of weird paraphernalia in Derek's, though. But let's... Mr. Sinkholy, let's crack on with the show. On this week's episode, we have calls from New York Nigel, who's probably with Lucy right now, who wants to know why are women called gossips but not men? Bye 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 bye, Steve, who wants the girls to bowl googlies with a spoon, who's actually with Lucy and New York Nigel right now, who wonders why IVs were mentioned. Judy from Pickering, who wants her Charlie Black, Claire Asprey, who's a fan of you, Hardeep. Vicky Cole, who sits, listens and blushes. Naked Fingers, who is on the claret yet again. And we have a first-time caller in Rachel L. Thomas. But first, before all the calls, let's have a little chat to our Archer celebrity fan, Hardip Singh Coley. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. Just uh, enjoying... Uh... Very cold in Glasgow. Um, and getting ready, funnily enough, to go to Bromsgrove. I start touring next week and I play Bromsgrove, which is Archer's country, August. Absolutely, absolutely is. You know, you're stuck in between uh, where they record from, Birmingham, and uh, the fictional heart, which is uh, Ambridge. Um, so tell us about the tour. What, what are you doing exactly? Uh, just a new uh, comedy show called Mixtape My Life Through Music. So, and I generally playing the Midlands quite a lot, so sort of Leicester, Bromsgrove, Birmingham, a mm-hmm. uh, place like that has always been very good to me. Um, because I think, you know, for those that don't perhaps know, because there's a lot of international listeners to the Archers who perhaps don't know the Midlands, mm-hmm. and folk like yourself uh, and a lot of my family are from there. It's a very multicultural part of Britain, and I think in lots of ways sort of represents uh, sort of perfect England, really. You know, if you look at places like Coventry, mm. Where are, you, where are you from? Birmingham. Birmingham yeah. Which neighbourhood? Erdington, Perry Bar. Oh, I love Perry Bar. Um, but if you look at like Birmingham and Coventry back in the late 70s and early 80s, 
the the bands that were coming out of those places like um, Selector, The Beat, UB40, mm, the Specials, the specials yeah. all genuinely multicultural bands. You don't see that in the charts today, and that's 30, almost 40 years on. Uh, and I think people are very snotty about Birmingham, uh, and I don't understand why, because people don't like Birmingham, they've invariably never been there. And it's, you know, a, a city is its people. And I think Birmingham is an amazing city. Always such a lovely time there. You know, I couldn't agree with you more about the bad national image that Birmingham has is that it's because of its also because it's physical architecture. The people can't look past uh, all the ring roads and the dreadful shopping centre, which has now been torn down. And, and I would say... But, uh, been a brummy boy that spends much more time outside of Birmingham that the attitude people's attitude to Brum is actually now slowly but surely changing and when they go to Birmingham city centre now they're kind of pleasantly surprised by the canals and stuff well you know if I was 30 years younger I'd consider living in Birmingham you know for, for a year or two because I think you know with a lot of the urban regeneration mm. I mean you talk about the ball ring being pulled down and, and the selfridges being there and you know, New Street Station is the finest train station probably in the UK. If you feel like you're in an airport, it's so beautifully constructed. But there again, you talk about the architecture. You go to Holborn, for example. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Edgbaston on on the the uh, the Pershore Road. I mean, you know, where else are you going to find a wildlife sanctuary? You know, sort of in the middle of a city. Just and and the people and cut the curry. Oh, the curry is amazing. Well, you kind of like your food, don't you? So, um, yes, I, although I, I'm surprisingly thin, that's what you were going to say, wasn't it? <laughs> no, no, I was going to try and make some segue, like, which member of the Archers cast do you actually think um, is decent behind the stove? And you can't say Jennifer <sighs> Olsen. very that's, good question. That's See, the, I think, mm, go on. Anisha, the, the new one, because it's lovely to have a Glaswegian brown in the Archers. Um, for years, I was hoping it might be me. I think Nisha might probably turn out to be quite a dad yeah. in the kitchen. But you and I, we might be we might be ethnics together, but we're kind of opposed when it comes to our, our personal politics. When it comes to the UK, because I'm all for everybody being together. I quite like you Celts and whatever. And I'm kind of you're kind of big in this SNP malarkey, aren't you? So how yeah. does that yeah. work with you loving this most quintessentially of English soaps? But you want to separate. Yeah, but I also love The Godfather, but I don't want to be Italian-American. You know, I love Kurosawa films, but I don't want to be Japanese. I just think politically we're a different country. We've been a different country for longer than we've been part of the Union. Mm. Um, And I just think it's incredibly difficult. You know, we have one Tory MP in Scotland, and we're being ruled by a Tory government. England voted for Brexit. Scotland overwhelmingly voted to stay in Europe. Fairness, more than anything. And also... Does that mean just, then, know, right, so when when the day comes and, and you leave the embrace of, of the Union, that... Um, there is no embrace, embrace of the Union. The Union is a, a political function. The right. emotion... This is the mistake people make with the greatest respect. Mm. The day the Union dissolves... My feelings for England don't change. I still love England. I still want to travel to the Lake District. I still want to see my family in England and host English events. The thing is, though, I I hear you, right? Uh, But 
I don't want Jazza and Anisha to have to have visas. I just think that'd be incredibly sad. I don't them have to like to trudge off. But I don't. But I don't want to be part of a country that refuses refugee children from Syria because we think it sets a bad precedent. We're in complete and utter agreement there. You're not going to have me arguing with you there. But also, you know, the likes of you and me, you know, I'm, you're profoundly English, proudly English, and I'm profoundly and proudly Scottish. The word British is a political term. There is no nation called Great Britain. It's the United Kingdom. It's kingdoms that are united. We're different countries. And actually, Scotland has spent too much of its time blaming England for things that go wrong in Scotland. That's the truth. You know, I mean... Is that really the most pressing thing just now? How about our Polish colleagues who don't know whether they're going to be allowed to stay here after Article 50 is activated? That That is much more worrying. But one of the things which I think we can kind of both agree on is that for a rural soap, the, the writers, the producers have, have subtly tried to be very inclusive in terms of the United Kingdom, considering this thing, as I said, yeah. is a rural soap. So yeah, we have had see... Daryl and his uh, Polish wife. We we have you Celts muscling in on things. We we have um, Ian, who's from Northern Ireland, and Pat is actually supposed to be Welsh. So you, you wouldn't believe it by listening to it. So... Although, I mean, if you look at the Midlands generally, mm. the, you know, the, there are a lot of Scots, a lot of Irish, and generally a lot of migrants in places like the, uh, Birmingham because they were needed post-war. So who, who's your favourite actor? Who's your favourite character, sorry? It changes, though, doesn't it, with storylines? I just think Helen has been... Now, I'm pretty... Story, I'm, 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 I'm pretty the other night, actually. Who, sorry? Are you pretty fit? Uh, Helen. Yeah. Yours is Helen. I I just think, as an actor, sublime. Um, she's been absolutely amazing, not just through the whole Robin-Helen storyline, but actually for years from the mid-2000s when she was with uh, her ex who kind of who killed himself, whose name escapes me uh, r- yeah. right here and now. Um, she's just really, really come into her own, not only as uh, a character, but also as an actor. But I... I've always been a bit of a Fallon fan, and and I think that she's been yeah. sold short because um, when I really started to get back into the Archer, so I never really ever stopped listening from the from the early eighties, but in the early two thousands, she was this kind of slightly indie chick that was a little bit kind of ballsy in a band, etc., um, and and really was after Ed, after Ed Grundy, yeah. and I kind of fell for her then, and I just don't like all this twee uh, um, tea shop stuff, really. But I'm a bit of a Fallon well, fan. Well, I don't, I don't know that there's a, a straight man and many gay men that aren't slightly in love with Fallon. There's something about her. And mm. I blame Miriam Margulies and the <laughs> Cadbury's Caramel advert. Remember? Yeah, yeah. There's, kind of a, there was a West Country accent. It's not quite West Country Scott, but there's something kind of... There's a real come hither about mm. the way she speaks. She's very sexy accent a very kind of do you know I mean simmering and it's quite a thing to pull that off on the radio but then again you see I really like Lillian well, as a character she's another fan favourite isn't she I think perhaps people are beginning to appreciate how difficult it is to be Lillian because you're forever cheesing people off do you know what I mean and you're as much defined by your negative characteristics as your positive but to hold that line and not to alienate yourself 
like to keep yourself endeared. And it's that way, like a an old uncle shows up at Christmas, you're kind of like, okay, you're a rogue, but I love you. That's no, the way absolutely. I feel. About, do you know what I mean? But also, I tell you, who I'm very impressed with is the the archers girl. Pip, really? Ugly. Well, yeah, I quite like. See, I you're think just like being I, contrarian now. Come on. No, I but I like I like who she's grown up. I, I sort of feel like I've heard her grow. You know, sort of similar age to my own daughter. But I think she's playing it well. I, I think she's making some strange choices in terms of her life. But I do like her. You don't like her. It's a bit of a dodgy wicket, actually, I think, being one of the broad field We're going to be talking artists. about the cricket later. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, because, and I've said this uh, ad nauseum on this podcast, so there's going to be listeners who are going to be roll- rolling their eyes now, but the Brookers Archers are the most... They, obviously, they are the centre of the whole thing. They're the centre of the whole kit and caboodle. Right? However, yeah. because they are the moral centre, they're actually quite boring actually his characters david is is relatively steadfast jill i know has had a wobble recently um, i fancy jill I fancy jill you, you do wrong. i know it's from how can you not granny love granny yeah, i know love. you mean there's a there's a responsibility on the youngster's family but also what i what i liked about pip's storyline is the way she was maintained into the family business but she decided herself do you know what i mean mm. it wasn't a passive handed down the next generation. She has come with her own ideas and with her own thoughts and, and been empowered in that position. But it was Everything interesting. Was I, I spoke to Tim, who plays David, uh, over Christmas, and he just he made the point of saying, well, this was the same thing when his father uh, took over from, from Dan and then when he took over from Phil. And, you know, and though... Pip has not taken over from David, but it's that generational kind of turbulence, isn't it? It's a case of, I'm going to take this on, but I have my own ideas. On the one hand, I want to be a custodian of tradition, of you know, and have my inheritance, but I need, to, I want, I need and want to do this in my own way. But before we go any further, yes. you know, I'm, I'm proving to be a most dreadful host and interviewer. How and when did you start your love affair with Ambridge? Well... Now, interestingly, so let me take you a bit further back to set mm. the scene. Um, my dad uh, was a teacher uh, during the week, and then in the evenings, in nights, he, would, he bought a house and started, he became a landlord just to make some extra money to put us through school and university. So the weekends, he'd drive around, and he'd take some of the kids with him, just some of them, you know, because my mum had a shop at the weekends. So I'd be sitting in the back of the car, and he was in second of the furniture shops, and carpet shops mm-hmm. and I'd be listening to the wireless and just got a bit bored with music and stuff so then found Radio 4 and remember finding the arches and just thought this is this is this could be more antithetical I'm sitting in the centre of Glasgow this second city of empire vibrant brilliant city and I'm listening to a farming programme but actually I'm from farming stock my family farm is in the Punjab so there's a part of me that was quite interested in it um, and so, sort of in the late 80s, I started listening, um, you know, sort of secondary school. Lost touch a little bit in the 90s. I think the Archers lost touch a little bit in the early 90s, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And having small kids, it was just impossible to find the time to listen. Sunday mornings, you were sleeping if you weren't taking one on the football or the other. Um, so, yeah, but then in the last 
sort of 15 years it's been a constant for me but also as I've started because I've sort of presented pick of the week four or five times a year um, and so I've been, I'm, I listen to the radio sort of constantly um, and I will listen to things five or six times things I love uh, and I'm quite happy to listen to the Archers probably three times a week just as I'm getting about from one place to the other um, if I'm late at night working I'll put the omnibus on just while I'm writing uh, because it's, it's always just very it's something very comforting about it uh, listen, absolutely, and me with the travel that I do, radio almost diminishes uh, distance travelled because even though I might be in San Francisco right now, um, I can still listen to the Archers radio for, and yeah. things are still very familiar, which is a good and a bad thing. But also the funny thing is this, I was just, um, I don't know if you've caught any of Eddie Mayer's interviews with Steve Hewlett no. on PM. Uh, so Steve Hewlett presents a media show, mm-hmm. uh, and he's uh, he's got uh, cancer of the esophagus. And Eddie thought, and Eddie and I started together in the business, nineteen eighty something. Um, and so Eddie, and I always thought Eddie Mayer is the finest interviewer I'd ever met because I heard him interview first person I ever heard interview anyone was Eddie Mayer. Uh, and against Eddie Mayer. None of us stuck up well against Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Steve. Steve Hewlett's dying, effectively. And we are hearing this on PM mm-hmm. every week. And, like, on the way home to get ready to talk to you, Steve was on the wireless with Eddie Mayer. And so many cars behind me were hooting because I was sitting at a green light, lost in this interview. And, you know, like my, my mum said to me the other day on Sunday morning, she said, because uh, I was going up to visit them, uh, my mum said, what was wrong with you? Did you fall asleep when you parked the car? I said, what do you mean? She was, you were sitting in the car for 15 minutes. I said, mum, I was listening to the archers. No idea what I was talking about. And much as you say, it's really interesting what you say about time diminished. Mm. And that's absolutely true. It doesn't matter where you are in the world if you're listening. But also, time's stolen from you. The mm. radio does that in the way telly doesn't. And there's an intimacy about radio that is so profound. When I started training all those years ago, because maybe folk don't know this, but um, after law school, I went to a production training at the BBC. I was trained to make radio and television. Um, And the first day of radio training, they said to us, when you're in the studio and you're broadcasting, imagine there's one person you're talking to and keep that person in your mind. And for me, it was always a woman in her 50s in Yorkshire sitting against it, so leaning against her argo with a mug of tea. And that's the <laughs> woman I've been broadcasting to for the last 35 years. Um, <laughs> and that's incredibly intimate. Because, you know, again, people don't, you don't watch telly as you're lying in bed with your eyes closed, but you'll listen to the radio. You mm. tend to go to, I mean, I tend to go to sleep with the radio on at night. And then bizarrely, God, the weird things happened. I was, because it's quite a funny story. I suppose I can tell you the story because it's a podcast, not broadcast. Um, I used to go, I always go to sleep with the radio on, mm. with the iPlayer on, whatever. And I'd just got a new girlfriend, and we were in bed, and we fell asleep, and I left the radio on. And she woke up in the middle of the night, at three o'clock in the morning, 
And of course, she was new to the flat and didn't know how to turn the radio off. She goes, can you turn that bloody radio off? And I said, why? She goes, because it's weird. You're in bed and you're on the radio. <laughs> can you imagine how freaky that must be for someone? Anyway, so I'm sure I answered your questions that you asked 17 minutes ago. So. What would be the pinnacle for you in your career? Would it actually to be an extra in The Archers? Well, we joke about this, right? I was a tiny little bit upset. I've not yet been asked to open the Christmas fate <laughs> in Ambridge. To the point that I actually tweeted the Archers directly and said, I am available. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, no, um, I'm no Judy Dench. Uh, so I'm not going to get in. I'd, I'd love to. Well, they've had Annika Rice, haven't they? They've, they've, they've had anybody Annika on who? There, so... Exactly. Annika who? Exactly. No, Annika's very good. Annika's very good. very sweet. Um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd like to. I think that would be... But, you, know, I mean, you know, we all talk about, you know, I don't know. I'd love to. I'd love to be on the arch. I think they need a brown man to come. I could be like Anisha's dad or uncle. That's perfect. Hello, where is Lillian? Lillian, get over here. <laughs> that is a perfect little link for us to go on to our caller in us. So yes. uh, why don't we take five and let's answer some calls. Hello, Ambridge3962. So the first call is New York Nigel. Yes. Where is he from? See what I did there. (laughs) Um, I think he's the Upper East Side. Hello, Dumpty Dumbers everywhere. It's New York Nigel here with a quick one. My husband has had a hip replacement and I've had a few funerals and pastoral crises to deal with and operation for a kidney stone. So I haven't been able to call in as often as I would have liked to, but I couldn't resist calling in today. Eddie has always been a Snoopy gossip. He's like the male equivalent of Susan. Um, I've always found him a bit fishy around all of that. And if Susan had done that on her own, we'd all be up in arms. But since it was Eddie who entertained the idea of spreading gossip about Lillian uh, and a bit of Justin Demerara sugar, we'd think it was a bit smutty and funny, which it sort of is. But the fact that Clary slipped up is a bit sad um it sort of shows the poison of gossip in any community it just destroys everything in the end but you know the question is why is gossip more of a caricature of women than it is a caricature of men men gossip just as much as women do but you know everybody thinks that women do it more than men anyway thank you united kingdom for sending us nigel farage over here in america and now thanks for sending us rob titchener poor old miss minnesota unlike snooty little linda snell and her characteristic little england arrogance about america i've always thought of minnesota as a lovely little place i've always associated it with garrison keeler but Now I'm going to have to think of Rob churning his cheese on the prairie. And lastly, for those who haven't had the good fortune to meet Roy Field in person, he is a wonderful person. He really is. Everything interests him. He's he's a great conversationalist. 
He approaches everything he thinks about in a really creative way. And his sense of wonder at the world is completely contagious. So listen to his other podcasts too. We're just so lucky that he's an archer's aficionado as well. And I'm sort of jealous of Lucy that she gets to have interesting conversations with him every week. But he's not good at being complimented. So to finish, I'd like to say that for a map lover, he's got no sense of direction. And I couldn't leave him to the mercies of New York Village late at night. And Lucy, looking forward to meeting you this week. I'm very lucky, as we all are, to have you two listen to our wild ramblings and respond with such kindness and enthusiasm every week. Thanks so much. Speak to you soon. Bye. Nigel's hubby um, is getting yes. better. That's a hip replacement, isn't it? Yeah, Mr. Sincoli. Um, yes. Why is it that, because he's somewhat worried, concerned, worried, or made the point. Made the point. That's a little bit better. Men aren't called gossips, but women are. Specifically because, you know, Eddie and the whole Lillian thing. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's a, it's a complex kick of the worms, this, right? It's, it's, it's the misogyny of language and it's, it's kind of the patriarchy mm. professed through terminology. For example, you know, if you have a really hard-driven boss, mm-hmm. you know, he's ambitious. If you have a woman that's a hard-driven boss, she's a bitch. She's a ball-breaker. Mm-hmm. You know, those are two completely different things to describe the same qualities. You know, um, if a young white man uh, is, you know, uh, he's again, he's ambitious. If it's you or me, we're pushy, you know, subtle mm. kind of terminological differences. I think there is some truth in the no- notion that women tend to talk and discuss and share massive and emotional nature, generally speaking, more than men do. But then if you look at our gay brethren, who are, one might argue, it's a sweeping generalization as all these things are, but if you've had to go through the experience of coming out and coming to terms with your emotions and your feelings and having to explain to people about your sexuality, it perhaps puts you more in touch with your own emotions, and so you're more able to talk and discuss things, ergo, you're a gossip, you know, so perhaps that's why, but gossip is a negative term for something some men do, you know? Mm, but it's just, it's purely it's just social lubrication, isn't it? It's the, the power to be able to talk about something or someone without discussing um, earth-shattering events, and, the, and there's a kind of great skill in that, and I think that generally women are better at that to be able to communicate without necessarily saying anything um contentious in a way that us blokes generally kind of aren't but take take putting that to one side what do you yes. reckon to Lillian and her little affair at the moment do you know what I quite like about that is I quite like the fact that duplicity and romantic intrigue isn't the sole domain of the youngsters Absolutely. So I like that. But also, just taking a bigger picture of you and stepping back from... I was I was at the, the BBC Radio Drama Awards uh, a couple of weeks ago. I was handing an award out, and it was and you, an incredible were, night. You looked somewhat dapper, Lucy well, reported. Well, when you know, you're working with such basic raw materials as, as my face <laughs> and the body. You have to do all you can to dress it up. Um, 
I mean, for me, the the massive winner on the night was the Archers, because you know we we are the BBC. You know, we're not ITV Channel Four. You know, we're not other. You know, we're not commercial broadcasters. We have, uh, you know, as Lord Reith, you know, pronounced. You know, we have to educate, inform, and entertain. And if one woman's life was altered by uh, the Titchener uh, Helena storyline, if one woman felt empowered to pick up the phone and seek help, if one child was delivered from living in the hell that would be domestic abuse, then the archers deserve every accolade they, they have been given and every penny spent on those programmes for the last two years um, was money incredibly well spent. Were you um, happy? Were you happy? Don't get me wrong. It, it was an amazing storyline. Uh, incredibly well acted, well plotted. Um, were you happy with the way that Rob left Ambridge? Well, I think... I suppose this is my wider point in a sense. You're never going to... We were all so... I mean, I didn't meet anyone that didn't engage in that sort of... I'm sure there were listeners out there that were fed up with it or had a moan about this, that or the other. But generally speaking, um, and the multiplicity of awards uh, suggest I'm right, the the storyline has dealt with it beautifully. Um, There wasn't a perfect way to get rid of Rob. Um, I would have been really unhappy. And I, I think that single storyline would have dominated the entire series arc had he stayed in town. So I, I think I felt him trying to sash Jack was exactly what Gideon was, was exactly the sort of thing he would do. Mm. So I felt that was correct. And then can I go to America? I just I, I wish he I just wished he was a Yemen Muslim and had been denied uh, tonight <laughs> in the country, um, but I think that gives the storyline its potential to bring him back, but without it being, you know, he's not, you know, he's not in, you know, he's not in Litchfield, mm. you know, he's not a drive away, he's a flight away, and I think it allows Helen to go on their life. Now, talking about the Lillian storylines, and there's been some disagreement I noticed from callers about, um, and other people that I've spoken to. Um, about the storylines just now, and it's been too many secrets, too many this, too much uh, that. All right, I need I need to stop you, right? Because Sorry, you're in... have I preempted the calls? You, you have, you have. You're in, you're in danger. You're in danger, sir, of actually running this podcast, and, 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 and I won't have that. Hello, Dumpty Dum, it's Steve here. I'm going to be very quick because I'm out in the open and I'm bloody cold. Anyway, uh, a few things. I really don't... I really hope that the Brighton thing doesn't go anywhere. I'm bored with it already. And we don't want any sort of edgy, skanky, drugs-related stories. We've had enough of high drama and we certainly don't want something as ghastly as that. Um, Lillian and Justin... It's false, isn't it, really? It's just ridiculous. Getting bored with that as well. We need something a bit fresher. Anyway, the main reason I want to call in is the conversation Harrison was having about the cricket team, notwithstanding having women in the cricket team, which I think is a very good idea. Um, 
there was something said about Ben about he's not interested in this sort of stuff, and I'm just wondering whether they're going to set him up as a well lad who's uh, well. Let me put it this way: who's never going to settle down with the right woman. Um, so yeah, I think that Ben is going to turn out to um, be another gay in the village, which is good, of course, of course. Nothing wrong with that. It's just that they're obviously trying to feed us a few sort of plot lines and give us a few pointers on the way. Uh, Anyway, like I said, it's bloody cold out here and I'm going back in to have a pint. Anyway, I love you all. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Mwah. Love you. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Love you. Bye-bye, bye-bye. So what do you reckon, Hardeep, about Brighton and Toby? And that's before we come on to uh, intersex cricket teams. Let's deal with uh, <laughs> Brighton and Toby um, first. It's really interesting. Isn't it? I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel... We have that phrase in, in, in the theatre, which is suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. So I'll sit in the stalls and I will believe it's, you know, uh, 16th century Scotland and that's Macbeth. Yeah, uh, I will believe that. I, I, similarly with the archers, I believe everything that happens around Ambridge. The minute you take me out to a real place like Brighton, I can, it cleans a little bit for me because I know Brighton. Mm-hmm. So you That's don't think that the characters should ever travel outside of the county of Borsetshire? So just keep it in Felton, <laughs> no, Penny I mean, Hassett, Lower Locksley. <laughs> I think they should. But I, I, and it's fine to hear a Brighton or a London or a Glasgow or an Edinburgh mentioned. But if you begin to invest too much storyline, I think it becomes a little bit problematic mm. um, for me, at any rate. Plus, I am not sure where this storyline is going, and, and my instinct is I don't like it. I really like Pip, you see, and I think he's trouble. Mm. No good is to come of him. Okay, so you're you're in good company, thinking that there's no good to come of Toby Fairbrother. Uh, what no, about what about women in the cricket team? I've always been really happy to um, have women uh, on my googlies. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, listen, it's 2017. Women have had the vote for 99 years. If they can't play cricket, you know, if we can't. Go into war together, side by side. Mm-hmm. Then what's what's the, what sort of civilization army? I just think it does feel a little bit. I feel a little crestfallen that we're still talking about gender equality in 2017, but we're talking about it because it needs to be talked about. But also cricket for me at that level, anyway. I played cricket a lot. I was captain of the school, the university team. Mm-hmm. Um, at the level of village cricket. There's very little that separates men and women. You know, uh, if you've got skills, you've got skills. You know, because and, and you've you know, got mad skills Carly, when it comes Carly, to cricket. I have got quite good skills when it comes to cricket. I'm again, if I were to be invited to play for the Archers team mm. I, as a celebrity ringer, I'd be more than happy to do that. <laughs> um, but I just think people ought to be judged on their ability to play. What is a village cricket team about? It's about the community. And who, what sort of community would turn its back on 51% of the people within it? 
It's a little bit like saying, should we have brown people playing in the cricketing? Well, of course we should. Just not the blacks. They're separate. <laughs> but to, like, you would never, you know, you would never say. I mean, the funny thing was, I always, I always got more wickets as a spin bowler than I deserved to get because people were scared of the Sikh fella because we had such a <laughs> reputation for being good spinners. I was terrible, but they were so conflicted in their minds, thinking of Bishan Bedi and Harbhajan Singh as I came up to bowl. Terrible full tosses would get them out, you know, completely inadvertently. You know, it's interesting what you say about um, cricket and you, you know, you, your the skin that you come wrapped up in, and you you wearing a turban that people and oh my goodness yeah. facing you, uh, kind of bowling. The, the one glorious thing about cricket is that obviously it's the whole way that the ICC is structured yeah. is the British Empire. You know, it's still yeah, exactly. it's still you know all the countries that play cricket competitively are part of the British Empire, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Apart but, from Holland, interesting. Well, yeah, ex- exactly, exactly. Though um, the first <sighs> the first international that the West Indies played was actually against Canada. But anyway, yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Um, as an aside, it's the, considering that it's so steeped in uh, British privilege, it was the what it was the first sport where people of another skin colour were actually treated as equals. Not all the way through. So, of course, the English cricket team was famous in the twenties for having the odd token Indian, and then the West Indies cricket team historically, all the way up to the late fifties, the captain always had to be white always had to be white but but if you think about it it's the first the success of the west indies in the mid 70s is the first time in team sport that you have um a people of color who actually defeat uh, a team of white folks and actually see it's very interesting when you break it down Mm -hmm. because for me and for any true cricket lover yeah there are certain players who transcend club and country. Yep. So people like Ian Botham, um, uh, uh, Gavaskar, um, uh, Kapildev, uh, and Saviv, right? And Gary Sobers, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Saviv and Beefy, when they played at Somerset together, uh-huh. right, they were best friends, weren't they? Yeah. They used to cut up out together. Now, that's the first interracial friendship, if you like, I remember from my childhood. And the other thing is, you look at Saviv. I mean, apart from being possibly the most handsome sportsman there has ever been, he has such natural ability, such strength, such poise, such grace, and such you know meticulousy. Mm-hmm. It's breaking the stereotypes. I used to do this thing on stage, but you quite like this maybe, right? So I used to live in uh, East London, mm-hmm. which is quite a big Jamaican population. So we have some amazing uh, Caribbean food. They're like curry go, curry man, oxtail, like just rice and peas, planting, all of my favorite things. Because um, I was gigging and I would drive back, I'd want to get some food late at night. And it, invariably, it would be like the chicken shops or the bagel shops or whatever. Now, I had lived around um, such a big black community uh, before. Obviously, I'd lived in London, but this was like, you know, really... Um, pronounced black community that was next to really uh, an African church as well so I mean, the first time I went in to a shop there was a group of young black youth um, and when I walked in they 
all got to one side and said, Uncle, you go first, because there's lots of us. And I was just really blown away. Now, basically, every time for the next four years, mm-hmm. I went into a chicken shop or whatever, and there was a group of black youth in front of me. Invariably, they would let me go first and be incredibly polite and incredibly kind. And the joke I used to make was, I used to say, you know, I, you know, the black youth, I'm going to get into trouble one day, you know, because I'm going to come across a group that have got a knife and are going to stab me because every other group's been absolutely lovely to me. And it's so interesting. When you look at the stereotypes people have about the black community, so little of it is based in anything approaching reality. But, you look it, at Jamaicans. But wait a you minute. look at Jamaicans, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. If we talk about stereotypes and knives, you being a Sikh, don't you have one with you? Exactly my point. But no one thinks twice about it because Sikhs have you know, been PR'd differently. Mm. But this is my point. So all my Jamaican okay. friends, for example, mm. are very incredibly like me. Strong religious upbringing, mm-hmm. strong discipline at home, you know, politeness and all the rest of it. You know, and we're beaten. I was beaten as a child. I don't have a single Jamaican or Caribbean friend that was at my age that wasn't beaten as a child. So I suppose the disconnect with the world in, in, in this country certainly is how how have you how have you got to be scared of black youth? Because I'm the opposite. I love them because they're un- Is that un- the reason why you said yes to my invitation to come on to Dum Dum? No, I thought-, I thought you were a white guy because black people don't listen to the radio. <laughs> or, or we just listen to pirate radio. Oh, you're into pirate radio or you do sports and the music, I believe that's what you do. <laughs> that's what I read in the Telegraph. No, but you know, it's I won't pretend because mm. I genuinely didn't know. You're a radio lover to me and in a way it doesn't, nothing else, if you love the archers, mm. nothing else matters. I don't care your gender, your sexuality, your colour, even you know, even if you're from Somerset, I'll still talk to you if you love the archers. See what I mean? And this is when you get to know someone, mm. you find the commonalities that override those initial things that are of no concern to you. Like I don't know if you're a football fan Absolutely. or you're a sports fan. Who do you follow, Villa? Let's just get on to the next call. You know, with this Birmingham City, Birmingham City. Oh, what a terrible shame! Now, here's a great example. Go you're on. on the terraces of St Andrews, mm. right? Mm. The man next to you, you talk to him about football, or the woman next to you, you talk to her about football. Does it matter what age she is, what colour she is, which part of Birmingham she's from? It doesn't, because you have a greater love than your differences. Uh, it's a profound love because your team are shit. <laughs> <laughs> we are, we are. Listen, and and I dare, dare I'm I say, I'm season ticket holder, mate. I know about shit. Oh no! Hey, you know we need to talk about Arsenal fan TV later because I I okay. am massively in love with that as a phenomenon. But we're going to do that after we listen to with a spoon. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Royfield, this week's special guest, and Yoko Bear, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world, including Lucy, who is approximately 40 blocks north of us at this moment. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. One thing we noted during the past seven days in Ambridge was that everyone in the village is a gossip, so let's join in as well. We learned that the missing Ben Archer is artistic and doesn't like team sports. 
Are those predictive markers for Ben being a young gay man? I, of course, hope that's true. We do need more than two gay men and one lesbian occasional guest in the village. How will David and Ruth react? Or will they be more preoccupied with the news that Toby is HIV positive and that he may have infected their daughter with the virus? I know this is a very bold prediction, and once again my crystal ball is probably cracked, but why else introduce a backstory in which Pip's boyfriend was having sex with someone who was an IV drug user? And who knows, maybe Toby has dabbled with injectable drugs as well. Will the archers be replacing the completed controversial storyline, putting aside Henry's psychological damage and need for therapy, with another? Is Toby the new Rob, as some have speculated? As Minister of Magic Rufus Scrimgower said in the Deathly Hallows, these are dark times. Okay, time to cheer up. Must start planning our Dumpty Dum meetup. Eight of us are gathering, nine if you include Angus. He's very excited. Talk to you soon. Now, I know we've touched on this a little bit before, Hardeep, but do we reckon that Toby's HIV? That's the reason for Brighton. Um, I don't know. Is that a bit of a leap? It's why is it that it is Brighton? What is Brighton known for? Brighton is... Fish and chips. Mm, um, a burnt-out pier, the West Pier. Um, it's Perhaps he's addicted to carousels. Yes. And he likes going up that big needle. Is What do they call that big needle? Oh, that sounds like a euphemism. That's true. That is true. But it is also one of the HIV hotspots of, of the UK. And Witherspoon makes the link that why is it that they had to mention that his ex was an IV user? Yeah. I mean, how's Pip dealing with all this? Well, we... I, do you know what? I think it's it's not a bad thing. Mm. Because, you know, we haven't had these sorts of issues on the arches, have we? We haven't. It's EastEnders in the in the eighties with Mark Fowler, isn't it? It was the last yeah. time that the Beeb, in a dramatic sense, has dealt with uh, living with HIV. And I suppose it would make some form of narrative sense the fact that Tony is a bit of a shag about as well. So yeah. it, it would yeah. make sense. It would make sense. I hope for Pip's sake it isn't the case, and I hope for Toby's sake it isn't the case, but it would make narrative sense. Yeah, it's quite depressing, isn't it? Julie from Pickering. Hello, Royfield and Lucy. Julie from Pickering here with a plot prediction. I think that Miranda has hired a private investigator and she's deliberately dropping out of these events with Justin so that the private investigator can gather as much uh, defamatory evidence as possible and that she will um, sock it to Justin with the divorce papers and all of the evidence of the affair and she'll fleece him for every penny he's got. Then I think that uh, Lillian and Justin will end up sharing the Dower House and he will merge whatever is left of the Damara company with Amside and that we'll have a kind of uh, uh, a mat back in her life again where they're both uh, managing property together. Um, Who needs a private investigator with Linda Snell on the case? You know, even maybe Miranda's paid her. But hey-ho, I reckon that's what'll happen. Miranda has no way uh, satisfied herself that the affair is over. 
she knows it's still going on and she's gathering evidence and she's going to go for the big whammy and uh, and sue the pants off him. I also think Charlie Thomas will come back. I think that Justin will quite quickly get Charlie Thomas back down because Charlie Thomas was warning him off uh, Rob uh, before he was sent up to Scotland and I think that Justin will think, yeah, I'll have him back down here. It wasn't his fault after all. And then that will uh, shake up the relationship with Adam and Ian again. But I do I do hope that Adam uh, doesn't go off with, with Charlie. I don't want Ian to be hurt again. And I just hope that Adam shows true strength of character and uh, is not in any way tempted by Charlie if he does come back. Hey-ho, that's all I have to say on the matter. Toodles. Has Miranda hired a private investigator? And will things crash and burn for Justin? So she ends up living with Lillian in reduced circumstances. Do do you miss uh, Matt? Do you miss Matt Crawford? Or I was Yeah. I definitely do. Do you know, there was something about his... His character and his accent mm. in the whole thing that just really worked. Because there was always that kind of the townie, the big London person that comes to the country and thinks he's the big I am. But also, you know, he genuinely seemed to make Lily unhappy and there was a softness to him. And it kind of... I felt really bad, you know, when they split up and away. I mean, he's a complete crook. But she was so happy, wasn't she? Yeah, he was. He was a rogue and a crook, but a, just a lovable one. And you know, he didn't cheat on her, did he? Hmm. I, I can't. Did you know he? what? I don't. I don't think you he might. Did. You might be right. You might be right. There's going to be some listener going. You know, of course he did, but I can't remember. So of course she went off did. with his brother, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, but she did, didn't she? Yeah, but I think things were pretty bad at that point, weren't they? Matt was doing something. Well, he was always up to something, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, then... He went off to the Dominican Republic, didn't he? Absolutely. Not Costa Rica. I think there's something... See, I'm surprised I like Justin as much as I do. You like him? I thought I... Well, I don't... So I don't what, what do you I, like? I do Is like it him. the moral kind of ambiguity of the whole kind of affair thing? Tell me why you like Justin. Well, the affair thing... To one side, I, I mean, more generally, I think the way he... There was a fairness about him dealing with Rob, right? He gave... And no matter what we thought about Rob Titchener's behaviour, mm. I do believe that people deserve second chances. But that's and... not the reason why he gave him the job. The, the reason why he gave him the job is because he needs someone to do his bidding in the village and actually to be a bastard and actually just to drive through what he wants. So that's the reason why he had Charlie Thomas there doing, doing the same job. And Charlie was so unloved at first because Charlie was just very blunt. So, you know, he wasn't Am I misreading was... Justin then? I'm going to go Justin all wrong. Uh, big time. But but go on. You know you can be wrong on this no. podcast. No 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 no. You go. No, for it. I want to be educated. This is your podcast. I want to be. See, I don't know. I can't really... I suppose it's that managing expectation thing. When we had the whole BL thing with Brian and the whole 
Justin looming on the horizon. We never met Justin. All we heard about this guy, heard about this guy. You thought he was going to be a complete and utter piece of work, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, he's quite charming. And he sounds like a nice... But maybe I've just been lulled into a false sense of something with him. Absolutely. He's worked his, worked his magic oh, on you. I can't believe it. I'm 48. I should know better. <laughs> I should know better. Um, I think I might fancy him a little bit. Do you reckon Charlie Thomas is going to come back? Would you like him to come back? See, okay, I was going to talk to you about another thing that sort of includes that within it. Well, don't let me... It's a very interesting point. Well, no, because I think what you you do so well is you ask questions that make me think both specific and bigger picture. I think when... So, again, people at home, when they're listening, perhaps don't fully appreciate how exhausted the production and the writing team are having just brought... The, the Robin Helen storyline to some sort of conclusion. And I think they're looking for easy wins just to just to pop their head up above water for some air. Because no matter how much they replenish the team, mm. they still want to keep the brilliant writers that have brought them to this point. Mm-hmm. And I think Charlie coming back is an easy little win. It's sort of I'm not suggesting it writes itself, but you know, it's not the challenge of introducing a new character. I think the work with Anisha it, there's something simmering there, isn't there? That's clearly going somewhere. She's a little sex pot. Anisha and Rex is what we're led to believe right now, aren't we? I mean, you can feel it, can't you? Powerful. And also the whole thing she did with Jazza. I thought that was hilarious. Like, I couldn't understand why she was telling everyone she was drinking water, not vodka. I thought, take the props, girl. <laughs> but she thought it was going to ruin her professional career, didn't she? Her professional reputation. Stop that. I just felt she let Glasgow down. Um, <laughs> yeah. But also, what I really liked about her was the way she very single-mindedly chose to, you know, kind of get, you know, to, to offer alternative facts, fake news. I think she'd been watching a lot of Kellyanne Conway on <laughs> CNN. <laughs> Claire Raspberry now. Hi Dumpty Dum and hi Hardeep, it's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I wasn't going to ring this week but then I saw that Hardeep Singh Kohli was listening to the calls and I was all excited. Um, I wanted to reflect on Jennifer this week and um, I just don't know what they're doing with Lillian's affair. It seems to have got incredibly front and centre which makes me feel that they're doing something with it in the story Um, but I'm not entirely sure what. I really fear that if it all blows up, Miranda throws a fit, um, Justin's going to have to dump her and just pull out of Ambridge altogether because I have a feeling that he's not going to let go of Miranda, whatever's going on in terms of their arrangements and their funding and their money. I just think that Lillian is going to be the casualty of that and that's a real shame. Um now, obviously, she sounds like she's having a high old time, but I do feel for Jennifer. Um, and, you know, it is a bit of a weird thing. I thought when, you know, Justin suggested that he and Miranda and Jennifer and Brian would go out together, Jennifer would feel incredibly conflicted because, like, she's trying to socialise with them in both of his 
pairings. Um, but actually, she was delighted because she thought it would help cover up the affair. And I just think, gosh, that's a very strange position to be in. Um, and I did think, actually, it does seem to be a bit like one rule for the posh guys and another rule for the rest, because I just don't think that in other families in the village that would work like that. I mean, Jennifer just sort of showed, turns a blind eye to Brian's behaviour and took in his son and like they all sort of just carry on as if it's all all right really um but you know you look at what happened to Hayley and Roy um who were really a lovely couple and it's all fallen apart it's such a shame because I really liked Hayley um but I just think she wouldn't stand for it in the way that people in other families do um I'm sure there's a class warp point to be made there uh, but Yokel Bear's better at that. So I'll perhaps leave that to him. Anyway, keep up the good work and I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Now, Claire is a big fan oh, of you, sir. She's very sweet, Claire Asprey. Now, very be- sweet. Before you kind of preen over her, um, I need to say thank you to Claire for sending me a map of vegetarians and meat eaters um, in Indian states. And I think that's somewhat of a clever kind of way of mashing one of my pet loves maps with you i don't know i it just, just kind of occurred to me but well done are you a vegetarian no I, i'm a map freak i love a map oh my god so am i really i really am oh stop it no no i'm fascinated by maps i'll tell you why go um i discovered i wrote this in one of my i think it's in one of my early books i never finished a novel i never finished so for example if you go to Kingston, Jamaica, mm-hmm. and you go to the museum, uh, the National Museum of Jamaica, and you look at a map. What's in the middle of the map? What's the central country in that map? It's Jamaica. Mm-hmm. You go to uh, Malawi, the country in the middle of the map is Malawi. Wherever you go, whichever country, they see the world understandably from their position. So every map of every country of the world from every country it's from their perspective you know what you you are right but surely any country that sits on the greenwich meridian should be in the middle well you say that but i think i just did what's so interesting about maps is they they, they live in a duality and a contradictory uh, a dichotomy if you will between them being a statement of fact but also dynamic and fluid and changeable and I think what I love about the old maps is seeing how the world changed as knowledge was garnered and, mm. and, and finessed and the like. Now, the reason I'm fascinated by maps is down to my own history. In 1947, when they created Pakistan, mm-hmm. um, my grandfather's hometown, where my grandfather and my dad were born, was originally placed in the new Pakistan on the 7th of August, 1947. On the 14th of August, 1947, when independence was declared, someone moved it back into India. Oh, wow. So, that's, I mean, a map saved my grandfather's life, probably, mm-hmm. my father's life, and a map meant that I was born. Now, many people might wish it hadn't been the case, but <laughs> I'm, quite, <laughs> I'm quite happy, you know. But also, I think... For, my love of maps is different from my love of borders. See, borders, because I made three series for Radio 4 about um, kind of borders effectively in rivers. 
So Matt's sort of been a massive recruit. I'm so thrilled you like Matt. No, uh, listen, I am. Um, I'm Matt Bonkers. I why have... don't you come to the Bromsgrove show and bring him up? I'll be playing Bromsgrove quite soon. Uh, or Leicester, I'm playing Leicester on the 20th, and then oh, two days on Twitter or something. I'll, I'll be in California. But when I'm back in the UK, which should be about April did you or drop, May... Did you drop something there? Did you drop an international <laughs> travel reference? <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, I'll raise your Bromsgrove and Leicester uh, to a California. But um, I... Royfield, you lose. You lose! <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to try and redeem myself. I'm going to try and win. For me... I remember being fascinated at about the age of four by my great aunt's globe, and my Excuse me? her globe. All right, sorry, her globe. And uh, her her children were like ten years older than me, so at the age of four, they were just too old for me to you know to really play with. I wanted to play with them, they didn't want to play with me. So we used to go around there. I used to stare at her metal globe of the world, and I was just fascinated by for me, political geography and why the countries were the shape that they were. Why is it that Canada and America had a straight line? Because countries don't have straight lines. Why is it... you look at a map of Africa. Oh, well, well, there you go. There you go. And... um... You know what you've just reminded me of? What's that? Do you know the film director, Grin the Chudder? No, no, no. Ben Ben and La Beckham. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Right. So, like, she's my cousin. Mm -hmm. Um... And when I was little, same age you, as you're talking. You just dropped something there. No, no, this is important. You need to know. Okay, all right. Um, I, think, I think I dropped it in San Francisco. Um, <laughs> and her dad owned a shop in West London, and they lived upstairs and upstairs. And he, was, uh, he loved to drink. Uh-huh. And they had a globe. You know one of those drinks dispensers that's yes. a globe you yeah, lift yeah, the top yeah. off? Yeah. That was my first globe. You made me remember that. Gosh, how sweet. Well, I those just... are the days. I just that globe for me had such profound effect on me. Um, at the time, there was an East Germany. At the time, there was still, still a North Vietnam and a South Vietnam, as well as a North and South Korea. Um, the bits of even though India was independent, it was pink, which denoted the Commonwealth. Though Pakistan was green, the same colour as the United States. I just remember the colour of the countries. I remember, and then that, for me, led on to a love of history. But as I say, it's always kind of been political, geopolitical history. So at the moment, I'm reading a book called The Prisoners of Geography, which kind of explains the geopolitical uh, position of Russia and how Putin, love him or hate him, and most people in the West hate him, Everything that he does makes complete and utter sense in terms of the position of Russia historically, in that it's always yes. been surrounded by, by by enemies, always. So Russian foreign policy is always, from a Western point of view, seen as very aggressive, but actually they would say it's defensive. Well, I think the voice of Russia was subsumed within the uh, USSR. Mm. Like a lot of the individual states that were kind of part of the federation didn't you know didn't have individual voices but equally although russia was the dominant partner their voice was somewhat lost within it too and i think which is somewhat analogous russia but that's somewhat analogous to england in the united kingdom and with this nascent english nationalism well but this is the problem the biggest single beneficiary from scottish independence will be england not scotland this is the problem England have got. 
for such an amazing country with such history, with such achievement, it doesn't seem to know itself very well. Now that I've got complete and utter agreement with. You know, and this, I listen, I travel the length and breadth of England and I'm met with such warmth and such affection pretty much wherever I go. Yet still, there are hardcore, hard-drumming, racist, fascist people in England. No. Where do they come from? No. Where do they come from? Stop it. It's true. You know, the UKIPs. <laughs> Listen, let's deal with the UKIPs after we have a little call from Vicky Cole, because she I had a Vicky lot of... Cole. Stop it, you. I love them Steady more. now. Well, I love her better, so best that. Good morning, everyone. This is Vicky Cole from Kenya. Mr. Brown, I owe you an apology. I am deeply ashamed. I am mortified, but I have not made clear how much I always appreciate your lovely comments. I sit there on the sofa listening to them, grinning away, and if I'm honest, blushing a bit. And I think you are terrific too, so I'm sorry. And I hope we're good. There were some lovely little moments this week. I want to hear more about Fat Paul and Big Eric. And I enjoyed Jenny's increasingly despairing, oh dears, at the dance. But I have two main points really today. I think there are too many secrets. You know, the don't tell anyone. There was Anisha's cheating, although I quite like the way she's since manipulated the gossip machine. There was Freddie and his maths results. There was Eddie and the fur coat and no knickers. Actually, I don't think we knew about the knickers. I think we knew about the wellies. Um, And earlier on, we had Tom telling Helen about the baby. Don't tell anyone. But of course, she went straight to Kirsty. I know village gossip is a mainstay of the archers, but it it just feels a bit too much at the moment. Uh, Sort of almost like a bit lazy using the same device over and over again. And then finally, along with everyone else, I'm sure I want to say, how can Helen possibly say it's premature to get some help for Henry? I know we're English and we have to have a stiff upper lip and so on, but... Henry has had a, such a bad year, seeing the stabbing, mum away all those months, the new baby, Rob and Ursula disappearing out of his life, then the whole kidnap thing and being told Rob's not his real daddy. He's unhappy, he's not sleeping, he's nasty to the baby. I will be interested to hear what Witherspoon has to say. In fact, could Witherspoon just phone up Bridge Farm and give them a good talking to? That's all. Lots of love to everyone, especially you, Royfield. Bye. Vicky, we're all good. Now you've actually recognized that i send out these bon mots to you and whatever we're all good you sit over there and just blush Lo- love you back but also so does our, our guest mr hardy sim coley Try- oh. trying to get in yeah but i've just been told to get out yes please um, now she talked about the rob and helen storyline yes mm, and you've kind of talked talked about talked about this i've said on this podcast that actually I did want Rob to stay around, but to, in very much reduced uh, carrier circum- character circumstances, sorry. Um, because I thought that the, the studies that with him and Alan, the vicar, were actually fascinating last year. Yeah. But, you know, I, but, I, but I hear you. I hear you in terms of um, the, sting, the stench of Rob would have been just too much and he needed to be removed. I don't necessarily agree, but I think it's a very valid very valid point of view um what next for helen do you reckon mr sinkoli well um i i listen i found out when i was at the awards that night mm. that helen is actually married to an old friend of mine johnny 
smack them at the awards. She's wonderful. I mean, I think for her, I think what's really interesting is mm. she is in denial. And that's quite evident from sort of her attitude towards you know, kind of Henry and not giving him help and stuff. I think she's still in denial. And when one thinks with what she said to cope with, she took the whole Jack and everything too easily. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It should have been, there's something right about, I believe her character. I think she's heading for a breakdown of some sort. I think something's going to go Pete Tom I, with her. I really think right that we don't have the emotional space for another big Helen storyline in in the in the next three years. You might, you might be wrong. I, I'm absolutely right. Whether we'll get one or not is is another thing, but we haven't got the space for it because this 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 whole show in the last ten years actually the most interesting complex storylines have always been her brilliant actor and you can understand the reasons why the writers want want to push things her way but we need to let the rest of the village have a little bit of the action i reckon so i just want her just to be a a friend to kirsty uh be you know be um be a mother to her two sons and specifically to henry right now because in all of this, it, it is only now that she started to realise that, you know, maybe he's had a little bit of uh, trauma in the last year. Well, do you know, I was just thinking when I heard the whole Rob Henry thing mm-hmm. as he was trying to kidnap Jack. Um, you know how they record that? They record Hen- the actor Henry's voice separately. Yeah. And then add it in. And when you're listening to it, occasionally you can hear that. But it's quite remarkable that they pull that off, don't you think? I, I think it is as well, uh, but a lot of the listeners um, are just not convinced that what well, Henry's now six, that a six-year-old would still speak in that kind of halting, I'm still a toddler manner. He does, for me, sound like a three-and-a-half-year-old, four-year-old, which, which kind of pulls you sometimes out of it. Is he six? It, he's, he's is he most, six? Yeah, yeah, because it was his birthday on January the 1st, wasn't it? So he's now six. See, he doesn't sound like a six-year-old, does he? I still think he's over three and a half. There you go. You're quite right. There you you're go. right. You're on the money. I am. I am. Right. Next one's Naked Fingers. Hello, Dumpty Dummers. It's Naked Fingers here. It's Friday night. I've had a glass of wine or two. What else would I want to do but call Dumpty Dum? And here I am. Now, the first bit of news is that I have not only an admirer in Lucy, but she has a rival. Yes. Helen O'Neill. And Helen O'Neill tweeted me earlier this week to say, Naked Fingers, please call Dumpty Dum every week. I don't care what you say, as long as it includes the word bollocks, because you say it so well. Well, it's nice to know that you admire my bollocks so much. The other thing I wanted to talk about was Lillian and Justin tonight at the dinner dance. And um, just... (laughs) The sound and the mental image of Lillian and Justin dancing at the dinner dance and the carry-on guffaws and laughter and Linda's disgust at uh, what was happening and the attack of the vapours that Jennifer was having at the whole prospect of it was utterly delightful. 
And sure as eggs is eggs, the shit is going to hit the fan very soon. If not Sunday, then by midweek. And I am relishing it. So there we are. I'll just say bollocks once more, just for good measure. Bye. Naked fingers is talking bollocks and flaunting his fandom. Um, do you ever flaunt your celebrity status, sir? I'm not really a celebrity, though. Do you know what I mean? But you, but you are to you know to the cognoscenti, aren't you? You know, you're a Radio Four person. Yeah, you know, yeah. These yeah, people that read know. books and think about stuff and listen to Radio <laughs> Four. You, 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 oh, you, you're so sweet. You're, you're a big cheese. Um, I, I, I am, by, by which you mean I'm, I'm fatty and not particularly good for your heart. Um, <laughs> I am, I mean, for me, in the wider point, I think, we, uh, can we swear on this podcast? No. Absolutely. I think we fucked celebrity up in the UK and in the world. I mean, look at Donald Trump. There is no greater example of the, the vacuousness of celebrity um, and I put it quite simply I do a job I love doing and I get to meet some amazing people by which I mean the public um, but I am significantly less important than most people and most professions in the middle of the night if your child is sick you're not going to call me you know if your dog is is, is you know unwell you're not going to call me if you break your car breaks down, you're not gonna call me. I have limited uses, yet I feel unduly celebrated. You know, <laughs> and and it's I think that's what we've got so wrong. But listen, don't get me wrong, I try to work harder at what I do and I try and make it um, honest with a degree of integrity and the rest of it. Mm. But I'm no different from a civil servant that does the same. I perhaps get paid slightly better. No, 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 but that's, uh, that's not true. All the way through human civilization, we have venerated um, people who could tell stories, people who could um, help us to make greater sense out of life and the universe and our existence. So whether we're around the campfire... Um, listening to the the old sage in the village tell a story. We've always loved storytellers. And the one thing that you are is a storyteller. And that is incredibly important for us as people uh, to understand uh, understand the world. So, you know... Yeah, but I yes, think you that's... make my point for me. That's really... I, do you know what? Honestly and sincerely, mm. if I could have described myself with such eloquence, I'd have been so happy. You've got me in one... I refer to myself as a storyteller all the time. That's all I do. And much as we venerate the storyteller, we mm-hmm. venerate them from a position of equality. They sit with us around the campfire. They're with us in the pub. They're in the cafe. They're with us on our yeah, level. But you and they yourself, regale us with stories. You yourself have said that radio is an, is an incredibly intimate thing and you're speaking just to one person. So even if you're on that radio, you're on that podcast, you are speaking just to that one person and they feel on the one hand that they are your friend. But but all, but the, there is that still that half step removed, i.e. you've made me think about something. You wise person, you funny person, whether that story's told with a joke or with insight, you still elevated that person, made them think about something in a way which they hadn't done before. But for me, 
Mm. That's and that's very kind of you to say that. And I really hope if I achieve half of what you think I achieve, I'd be very happy. Well, when I say you, I wasn't saying you, you. You were saying me. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the interesting thing. I mean, this conversation that we started at the beginning of this podcast is the first time we've spoken. Yeah. Yeah. There was a slight. Because I didn't know you when you were doing banter on direct messages mm-hmm. uh, on uh, Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you ca- and you often don't read the tone of what someone's saying. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't read the tone in the words. There was a slight moment where we were kind of awkward, it was slightly awkward for a second between mm-hmm. us, right? From that, you I'm, I'm socially very, that. Listen, I'm socially very thick-skinned, so I so it was obviously. And I'm socially incredibly thin-skinned. <laughs> 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 but the point I'm making is that at that moment, neither of us would necessarily have thought we would have had such a lovely conversation. And actually, if I may be so bold, as to say, made a new friend. I certainly feel I have. But all the point of storytelling is to share information. To make people think, but to create community. That's all we do. That's what your podcast does. We look look at all the people you've got listening from all over the world, right? And all the people that phone in are so invested in what you do as well as the archers. That is such it's difficult to express how beautiful a thing that that is. People the older generation got so nervous about social networks and the digital revolution. And I argue that actually community exists in a more vibrant way, just in a different way. Mm. You know, it's incredible how people connect all over the world with like-minded people who all hate Donald Trump. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately, there's still about, what, uh, 37 to 42% of this country that actually do quite like Donald Trump. But let's talk about Donald Trump the alt-right fake news after we speak to Rachel L. Thomas, who's a great big show-off. Hello, Lucy Royfield and all dumpty-dummers out there. This is Rachel L. Thomas, great big show-off on the Twitters. Trying again for a second time because I recorded the whole of this phone call and then realised that the microphone on my computer wasn't working. Um, I'm a first-time caller in I listen from as long as I can remember because my mum listens to The Archers, but the first character I can remember joining is probably Phoebe Aldridge being born. So I guess I'm a Phoebe Aldridge. I'm a vet, so that may be vaguely useful for some storylines. And I generally listen in the car on the way between surgeries. So I think that's all Royfield's questions answered. The reason that I'm phoning is because last week you asked about Archer's actors being in other things. Well, my disturbing version of this is that My boyfriend works for a company called Frictional, who wrote a game called Soma, which was voiced by Timothy Watson, who plays Rob Titchener. I didn't know this, and whilst my boyfriend was sound editing, I walked past our spare room, because he works from home, and suddenly Rob Titchener was talking, and it wasn't an Archer's episode, and I was very disturbed, especially since at that point he was saying things that sounded utterly innocent, but with the overtones of Rob being completely threatening and manipulative. So I have no idea whether this was he was playing a good or bad character in the game because it was just hideous and I didn't want to listen to it. And for several weeks I had to live with Rob Titchener in my spare room, which was a deeply disturbing experience. It's all good now because he's working on other things. 
the other thing I just wanted to contribute was Anisha. Where on earth is she finding veterinary equipment that she needs to spend £250,000 on? That's a ridiculous amount for the things that she was listing. I think she needs to go to some shows and talk to some reps and get some decent deals on endoscopes and things. And an endoscope and a gastroscope are the same thing. So she doesn't necessarily need to buy both of them. They're different types of endoscope. Anyway, Alistair needs to take her in hand. That's me for now. I really enjoy listening, so keep up the good work. Well done. You're a first-time caller in, and you're a Phoebe Archer. Um, now, you're also, she's also a vet, Hardy, and she knows her stuff. Um, now, good listener, there will be a page on the Dumpty Dum website where you can add your sightings of Archer's actors doing other things, moonlighting, another bits of uh, showbiz or the BBC. Uh, and at this point, I think we should... Ta- Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Take five, come back. The other side, after we had a couple of trails for Lucy V. Freeman's Walkie Talkie podcast, come back the other side with Yokel Bear and his social media roundup. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year and awesome yeah um for me i well and i think the reason that i somehow managed to to win in the end is that for me it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. 
I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, if your dogs get on, you tend to just, you say, which way are you going? Can I come with you? And you just sort of amble along and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one. And then in a couple of months time, they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them. And um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something, something nice to think about, something interesting to think about, even if it's not nice. And having a dog is a sort of a, a universality, really. The people aren't all like me, as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. Hello, Dumb to Dumb. It's Yokel Bear here calling with the social media roundup. I set some homework last week um, about where we'd seen people from the Archers turn up elsewhere on our telly or on the wireless. Paul Dishman, Helen Sampson, and Patsy Ann 49 quite rightly pointed out that um, Anika Rose, who plays Anisha, popped up on Apatry Yard in the courtroom scenes. Um, also, as well, Miss Mid-City pointed out that Charlie Thomas, lovely Charlie Thomas, um, was in No Offence on Channel 4 recently, playing um, a police officer. Um, and also, as well, that uh, Lily turned up at Coronation Street, and Kenny Koala Bear pointed out that David Archer was in Fantastic Beasts. The Fantastic Beasts, in this case, not being, you know, the cow herd. Um... So, what else have we been talking about? Yes, Henry. We're all a little bit worried about what's going to happen with Henry. Um, you know, and the effect of what's happened. Um, there's been a bit of talk about, on, on the Facebook, about um, the kind of reality of the story. Denise Tomlinson points out that, actually, Rob's activity would have t- triggered all sorts of referrals, um, all kinds of safeguarding policies. And Hannah May... Um, who's a primary school teacher, says, yes, a boy that would have witnessed the stabbing and whose mother had experienced possible gaslighting would have been referred for counselling months ago for therapy. So there is a kind of concern about, you know, what's this this storyline and what have you. But other people have got practical suggestions of what to do. Karen Cunningham says the only thing you can really do for Henry at the moment is undertake a factory reset. It's the only way. Whilst Ruby Nation points out, take his mind off it by hiring him out as, to the Grundies as a chip boy chimney sweep. Um, yeah, Ruby, I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore. Um, 
so also as well we've been talking about which characters um we would like to come back for a bit after fallon and pc carpet burns turned up briefly this week there's lots and lots and lots of love for um vicky mike christine um kathy jamie um but there was also a few specific ones that caught my eye um alice andrew says toboggan because this show honestly is ripe for a lesbian storyline yes alice i'm with you on that one also as well rob bain pointed uh, said daryl just finished the bloody storyline is he still in the shed it's a good question is he still in the shed i think we need to know um but also on this one come on folks when i asked the question um you know who would we like to see back the correct answer is of course charlie thomas Mm. anyway um moving on so there's also a bit of talk about the finances of the um the vets with anisha and everything um maisie jet says anisha appears far too confident in the manipulation of the residents of ambridge Do, do we know how much she paid for half the practice also is she going to consume poor rats yes Maisie I think she is um and also as well um you know it's, it's Sarah Passingham said the whole partnership seemed to be signed up with a bit of indecent haste where are all the other potential partners references and all the stuff that goes along with that the other thing I did this week is um we did a poll if Jazza asked you out for a drink would you go out for that drink well here's the results drum roll please 92%. the majority said yes they would but it was close it was 22 votes yes 18 votes no and believe me there were no it seemed to divide opinion definitely there was no middle ground on this one it was either definite yes definite no also as well Julia M. Parker has posted a really good link on the Facebook um, to an interview with um, the actor that plays Jazza from 2011 um, so that's really kind of about it or apart from one thing um, we, at the end of the week I really love the stuff you know that scene with Lillian getting drunk with Justine at the ball and stuff like that um, Audrey um, Audrianne Delgado um, Covarubias um, says that she thinks that Justin is falling for Lillian I think so too but we're going to have to find out anyway that's me done cheerio see you all in a fortnight I really like that yokel bear um, there's no tweets of the week this week folks uh, because basically Mr Hardipsin Coley has, has sucked all the oxygen out of the room and it's all been about him <laughs> oh my god I thought I was your guest this is how you treat your guests <laughs> it's called Bants so rude. it's called Bants no Bants is just pants misspelled ah. um, yeah, philosophy folks so, you know, folks com. go there he's got a shop we've got tractor now as we record on a Monday over in New York there is a meetup of dum dummers and in part that has been put together by Tractor you go there onto dumdydum.com it's a map it's a map of the world and you know how much I for one love a map and you can come pin yourself to that map and then it will tell you by sheer proximity alone if there's any other dum dummers close by now use that and then contact that dum dummer and get yourself a meetup 
like those eight dumby dum souls that are in new york as i record having fun whilst hardeep and i work hard so dumdydum.com it's got shops got tracks it's got a forum the forum needs a lot of love um we've get, we've been getting some itunes reviews and we got a really um very long and interesting one which i won't mention in detail this week uh, but i will address it next week but please go into itunes and write reviews now, if you'd like to help keep our little show on the road, there are a couple of ways this can be done. Firstly, you can donate by hitting the donate button on our website, or you can go onto patreon.com. Now, Mr. Mr. Hardip Sinkoli, is there an event happening this week? And if so, what is it? The Academic Archers, 17th to the 19th of February 2017 at the University of Lincoln, no less. And a few dum dum listeners are going along now folks remember to get in contact you can send us a voice message via speak pipe on the site or you can call us on 0203 0313105 to leave us a message on social media specifically twitter you can find us where we are at dum-de-dum me i'm at royfield harriet the woman of a thousand voices is at sandbridges and uh mr hsk m-i-s-t-e-r hsk lucy is lucy v freeman she is a free woman. She is. And um, on Facebook, The Book of Face, you can find us where there are 1,500-odd lurkers who have been uh, whipped into a frenzy by Millie Bell and by one yokel bear. Um, now, this is the point in the show where things can completely go off the rails, but I kind of think they have done anyway, really. So, um, any thoughts and feelings on your first time co-presenting Dum De Dum, sir? Co-presenting, I think you've upgraded me. I have. Um, do you know what's lovely, if I may be honest for a minute, is it's, much as I love broadcasting on the wireless, it's quite restricted. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to talk about that, and you can't really go for a walk and, you know, have a, a chat about things that come up in conversation. So I very much enjoy the conversation. I mean, always lovely to talk about fellow arch, to a fellow Archers fan about the Archers, and always nice to talk to a Brummie boy. Um, particularly a Villa fan because I know how much Aston Villa means to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and on that um, note, I think we should uh, say goodbye to our listeners. Goodbye, listeners, and goodbye, goodbye, Mr. Brown. I do solemnly declare that I, Oliver Peregrine Sterling, know not of any lawful impediment. <laughs> No, not of any lawful impediment. Why I may not, of any lawful impediment. Why, why I may not be joined in matrimony to, may, um, may not be joined in matrimony. Caroline, I'm sorry. Be, be, be joined in. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We'll be all right in a minute, Karen. Hi! <laughs> 